What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Open AI's mess in the workforce and the leadership, but it's not all bad news for Microsoft's Satya Nadella. Microsoft clearly the big winner on this. You saw that with the stock closing at an all-time high yesterday. What happens to artificial intelligence innovation and the company itself with Semaphore's tech editor, Reid Albergoti. I think it's also very likely that the company will just cease to exist or just kind of fizzle out over time as they lose employees and funding. Plus, the cost of DIY for Lowe's and the right way to travel for the holidays with former United CEO Oscar Munoz. The app, a little patience, will go a long way because, again, the weather is just very difficult to forecast for sure. It's Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Yeah, we're here. We're ready to go. Bex, let's uh, talk about the latest uh, boardroom drama as the soap opera at OpenAI continues. Here is a rundown of what has been a very fast-moving story over the last 24 hours. Early yesterday, ousted CEO Sam Altman joined an AI research team at Microsoft that was at least where it looked like it was going. Then shortly uh, after that, nearly all of OpenAI's employees threatened to quit and follow Altman to Microsoft unless the current board of OpenAI reinstates Altman and resigns. So then after that, it was open season on employees from the leaders uh, in AI technology. Salesforce's Mark Benioff posting on X that uh, he would immediately employ researchers who resigned from OpenAI, matching cash and equity to join Salesforce's AI team. And then late yesterday, Microsoft's Satya Nadella spoke to John Ford on Fast Money in a first on CNBC interview and said Microsoft would still benefit whether OpenAI's workers stayed or followed Altman to Microsoft. I care about just making sure that we can continue to innovate. And I, as I said, I feel very, very confident. Quite frankly, Microsoft has all the capability to just do that on our own. But we chose to explicitly partner with OpenAI, and we want to continue to do so. And so, and obviously, that depends on the people and of OpenAI and staying there or coming to Microsoft. So I'm open to both options. Nadella said that no matter what happens, OpenAI needs governance changes. Microsoft stock rising uh, more than 2% yesterday closing at a record high. And then on top of all of this, uh, Bloomberg reporting overnight an internal memo to OpenAI employees from the company's uh, vice president of global affairs. It said that it's in intense discussions to unify the company and that management is in touch with Altman, uh, the company's interim CEO, Emmett Shear, and the board. Uh, but they were not prepared to give workers a final response as of uh, last night separately. Reuters also reporting uh, that some venture investors in OpenAI were exploring legal recourse against the company's board, worried that they could lose hundreds of millions of dollars if the company collapses. And, you know, Becky, we had talked yesterday about the valuation of, you know, 
did Microsoft overpay or, or whatever? It, feel, it looks to me like it's the venture capitalists who actually, oddly enough, have the most to lose. And the Microsoft, given how they structured their deal, are pretty much in a, a good good position almost either way, at least on a temporary basis, since they, they own the current open AI technology. 100%. They may not get the future stuff. No, 100%. I, I, I kind of changed my thinking on the line of it over the arc of the show yesterday by, I don't know, by about 7.45 or 8 o'clock, I was thinking Microsoft had really gotten a huge coup that they'd walk out because when you saw the idea that yesterday more than 500 of the 770 employees had said that they were going to walk with them, by today, the latest I'd seen, it was over 700 of those employees said that they were going to go to Microsoft or wherever Sam Altman went with those things. I mean, talk about the collapse of a company. OpenAI went to zero because the other issue on all of that is that they, you know, they can't train their any of their their programs, their OpenAI programs, without Microsoft. So you know they're tied at the hip to Microsoft no matter what happens with it. it went from thinking, and and by the way, the 13 billion dollars that Microsoft invested, they didn't actually invest. They had you know these are promises to pay more over time, if right. OpenAI continues to uh, hit those those and a those lot targets. of it's in kind. A lot of it's yeah. in kind. Right. It, with, with the in computing terms power. of servers. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it, 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 Microsoft, clearly the big winner on this. You saw that with the stock closing at an all time high yesterday. There's still a lot to, that has to, to be resolved. And you even heard that in that interview with Sachin Nadella yesterday. He can't he can't tell you who's going to be the open AI CEO today or tomorrow. He can't tell you if Sam, Sam Altman and company are coming to work for Microsoft. They were in the process of onboarding them as, as employees when he was kind of pushed on that question on it. He said he's leaving it up to the lawyers to figure out all the legal terms and the liability for the other investors who might sue as a result, but he just wants to make sure that where he knew he stood Friday, which was feeling very comfortable with what their game plan is for all the products they can roll out over the next year or two, they still feel very comfortable with that. He's still working right. with Sam Altman. He's still working with OpenAI or in whatever way, shape, or form. And you saw it yesterday. Salesforce, Mark Benioff, putting out a tweet saying, we will hire anybody at the same compensation who wants to come over here. So it was just open season. Everybody looking to capitalize. You know Google was doing the same thing. I think Sergey Brin's been really actively involved with trying to get some of these things too. OpenAI basically imploded over 72 hours and this was open season, and Sachi Nadella did what he had to do to make sure he said, we're going to make sure we keep the brain power. That's basically what he's doing, and that's why Microsoft shares perform so well. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen, you know, like acting like a complete entrepreneur. I, said some, I saw somebody say Sachi Nadella was the complete entrepreneur CEO mindset with the assets of a multi-billion dollar company. So he managed this position the best he possibly could. The one thing he said is if they go back to open AI, there's got to be some governance changes because we're not going to get left in, out of the loop again. It's too bad AI is not quite ready to replace all the people leaving with the... <laughs> with new engineers? No, with, with just AI. Yeah, 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 exactly. AI engineers. I'm watching Lowe's, and uh, it's just it's something we should probably mention because the company's uh, cutting uh, its outlook. Uh, as a result, the uh -oh. stock is uh, uh, indicated 192, uh, I think, this morning. Yeah, it's down almost 5.5%, hmm. uh, 193. Now, uh, fiscal year guidance has been cut to $13. Uh, the prior guidance was $13.20 uh, to $13.60. Uh, comp, uh, comp sales down about 5% for the year ago, or from the year ago uh, period. They had seen it down 
to 4%. So that, uh, for the fiscal year, comp store sales seen down 5%. Yeah, it's not, it's not a huge cut to the earnings per share guidance, but when you hear some of the commentary around it, they did it for the second time this year. And comp As inflation hit, yeah. consumers cut back spending on big home improvement projects. So weakness from, weak demand from consumers, that probably makes people think, okay, this is what they say the numbers are going to be, but they probably don't have a huge amount of... Remember Home uh, Depot was down, their, their comp store sales were down for, what was it, like the, was it the third quarter in a row? Because of the, we're waiting for last year's um, pandemic-related bounces mm -hmm. to, to finally come off of the calendar, off the four-quarter calendar. Uh, low same store sales in the period just ended the third fiscal third quarter down 7.4 percent now for the year seen down five uh, versus prior guidance uh, which was down two to four marvin so. ellison so just some commentary in this um greater than expected pullback and do-it-yourself discretionary spending particularly in bigger ticket categories um right. they've got a mix at 75 percent do it yourself so that do-it-yourself pressure disproportionately impacted their third quarter comp performance right. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, digging deeper into the implosion at OpenAI. Where does it leave the company, its backers, and the future of AI itself? Semaphore's tech editor, Reed Albergoti. Are these the people who we want safeguarding this technology? And that sort of brings up this regulation question that Sam Altman has been harping on, right? Do we actually need outside regulators to come in and sort of be in charge of that goal? Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Becky Quick. Up and Becky, Q. Some of the latest developments in the OpenAI saga. In his first press interview since the story broke, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella told CNBC's John Fort that oversight changes need to be made at OpenAI. I think it's very, very clear that something has to change around the governance or, and if that's sort of, you know, and we'll have a good dialogue with their board on that. And... Uh, and we'll you know, walk through that as time evolves. But the most important thing for me, for customers to know is today, we have all the capability. Nadella did not clear up the confusion about where OpenAI's former CEO, Sam Altman, and co-founder Greg Brockman will end up. Last we heard, they were slated to begin AI research work at Microsoft. Meantime, the vast majority of OpenAI employees have threatened to leave the company and join Altman at Microsoft unless OpenAI's board resigns and Altman is reinstated. Nadella said that he'd be open to those employees coming to Microsoft or staying put. 
On the financial front, Bloomberg reporting that OpenAI investors are still trying to bring Altman back to a leadership role at the company, while Reuters says some investors are considering suing OpenAI's board. It's all those investors that weren't Microsoft who feel like they got completely left out in this. Our next guest writes that the drama has produced one clear winner. That is Satya Nadella. Joining us right now is Reed Albergati. He's technology editor at Semaphore. And Reed, I will say, Satya Nadella performed admirably well in terms of a crazy situation that he wasn't anticipating, didn't get a heads up about, and managed to kind of pull things together so that Microsoft was not going to be left in a lurch. We still don't know where the end result is, but he was, I guess, appropriately flexible given the situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was really bad for Microsoft. They've kind of staked their future on this technology, this company, and it looked like it was all going to be, you know, come crashing down. And then somehow he sort of maneuvered where this board that had caused so much trouble for him was basically boxed in. And I think they really just have two options. And one is to either resign and sort of have everything go back to normal with maybe new governance or just kind of seed the company and give it to Microsoft, which would be kind of unprecedented. I mean, an $80 billion company essentially just transferring ownership without, without any financial transaction. It's really remarkable. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a weird situation. The one thing it's kind of made clear to me is that OpenAI is no longer going to be a not-for-profit company. Even if you try and put all the pieces back together, Satya Nadella himself saying, they don't want this to happen, won't facilitate this happening unless there are changes in the governance. And that basically means you've got to have a profit motive in mind when this is happening. How, how do you remain a, a non-profit or a not-for-profit, a 5013C or whatever they are, when this is very clearly about the money and about the investors and, hey, we put up billions and billions and billions of dollars for you to be able to do this work, you're going to have to keep us in the loop. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it necessarily has to not be a nonprofit anymore because I think it already that is sort of involved. I mean, like the profit motive just won. You know, the, the not not for profit, the nonprofit <laughs> board said we're not going to we're going to do things this way. And the investor said, no, you're not. Well, I think it matters, you know, who's on the board, right? I mean, Reed Hoffman, who's on the board of Microsoft, was a board member at OpenAI. And we, we reported earlier this week that he was kind of forced out because he helped found this other, you know, competing AI company. So I think it, it matters who is on that board. It's kind of a tricky thing in the Valley because there are a lot of people who are, you know, very sort of capitalist, you know, pro-growth people in the AI industry who also really care deeply about this kind of AI safety goal that the board was sort of in charge of, of overseeing. So I think there may be some kind of happy middle there, but I think it's also very likely that the company will just cease to exist or just kind of fizzle out, you know, over time as they lose employees and funding. Reed, I, I see it a little differently. I, I think this is proof that you are not going to have an, a nonprofit in theory, in reality, whatever you want to agree, whatever you want to call this. This is something that costs tens of billions of dollars to put together. To this point, OpenAI has been able to say, hey, you're going to give us the money, but you're not going to have any control. You're not going to have any say over that. And I think this just lays out what an untenable situation that is for the people who have been putting out the money. They're not going to look at this as a, basically a donation anymore, that they want to be yeah. able to have skin in the game and say this is how things are going to be controlled. So you can call it a 49% stake. You can call it whatever you want. But... I, I don't think you put all the pieces back together and can say, we're, we're just going to pretend that the last four days didn't happen. Right. I mean, well, 90% of the employees or something have now signed on to this letter saying they're thinking of leaving, right? So I think they 
hold a lot of the power here too. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's sort of interesting here is that this this board, which is in charge of like safeguarding this technology for the good of all humanity, um, and it's part of this effective altruist movement, right? Which is you know very interested in AI safety, um, has sort of fumbled this. And I think there's now this question of like, are these the people who we want safeguarding this technology? And that sort of brings up this regulation question that Sam Altman has been harping on, right? Do we actually need outside regulators to come in and, and, and sort of be in charge of that goal? So I think that's another interesting aspect of this whole thing. How quickly could that happen? I mean, we've seen some talks around regulation taking place in Washington. Um, but even if you got everybody in Washington on the same page, which I think would be pretty difficult, you then have to consider this is it's not just a United States. You've got to get China and lots of other places on board, too. Yeah, it's a really tricky thing. Right. And I think, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I just think it's I wonder if this will actually move the conversation or how or what effect this will have on the conversation in Washington as they kind of look over here. I mean, we're hearing that, you know, people in D.C. are thinking, do we want to keep, you know, talking to these people? It's a, you know, it's obviously not a, a, a very rational or, you know, really <laughs> a, effective or altruistic group, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it just it lays bare a, a lot of the divisions that were kind of there in theory before, but I think it made all of us address it front and center with, with the turn of events. My guess is you've got entrepreneurs and founders in Silicon Valley that are maybe thinking a little differently about things too, uh, just in terms of where the control goes and how you maintain control. Yeah. I mean, people are really, I mean, this has really thrown Silicon Valley for a loop and people are just are gripped by this whole thing. I mean, it has everything, drama, high stakes, and I think, you know, there's a there's a mystery here. Right. And and part of that is, you know, Adam D'Angelo is one of these four remaining board members who who kind of, you know, was was involved in this coup, let's call it. And he's the CEO of Quora. He's an early Facebook employee. He's a Silicon Valley veteran. He's not talking to anybody. I mean, I'm talking to people who know him really well. He has stayed completely quiet on this. Nobody really knows exactly what happened. And I think that's another sort of crazy fact here. It's just this mystery. I, there, there's definitely something. I mean, I thought it was interesting, Satya Nadella, when he was pushed on this idea of, do you know what happened? He spoke pretty clinically and basically said, no one on the board told me directly anything that's happened. I mean, that sounds like very specific language that maybe he's heard some other things, even though the board hasn't told him directly. Um, does it matter I, what, what caused all of this, what happened? What's, what's your instinct? What's your gut as somebody who's covered this so closely? I think it depends on what that thing is, right? I, I think it's likely it doesn't matter because I think this may have been simply, you know, some sort of disagreement at, that just got completely out of hand and was totally mishandled. On the other hand, there are these conspiracy theories, right? What did this board see? I mean, you see people in the on the AI safety camp sort of wondering, did they find, you know, artificial general intelligence and freak out? Um, I don't think that's what happened, but I mean, it is just this sort of cloud looming over this whole thing is like, what, what do we not know, um, you know, about the decision? Obviously lots of answers that we're still awaiting. Reed, let us know as you uh, dig into this more deeply and find out more because we're, we're waiting to hear too. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. 
Next on Squawk Pod, millions of Americans heading home or wherever for Thanksgiving. Former CEO of United Airlines, Oscar Munoz, has some tips for travelers, both seasoned and the newbies. You need to be there an hour before your flight is scheduled to depart would be the minimum. I think an hour and a half to two hours is probably the other broader range. Before two hours, unless it's international, there's really not much. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box uh, here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ uh, market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin. Airlines expecting their busiest Thanksgiving season yet with more than 55 million Americans planning on traveling. Nearly 5 million plan to fly. There are some cancellations and chaos. I want to bring in former United Airlines CEO and CNBC contributor Oscar Munoz to uh, weigh in on how the big airlines are preparing. We keep hearing about... Uh, weather events and so many other issues, Oscar, what do you think the chances are that uh, we don't see a whole slew of headlines uh, come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, about how well or maybe how badly the airlines perform? Those are the, We've seen that before. Yeah, we have. So I'll tell you, I checked in with the uh, network operating centers of a couple airlines this morning, and uh, one person commented directly, this is the cleanest Tuesday I've ever walked into. There's some rain tomorrow. There's some snow in, in the Denver area on Friday. But on the busy travel day, which is really Sunday return, things are, you know, looking a little bit better. So there will be other disruptions. I came I came uh, back to the East Coast from the West Coast last night. I crawled into bed about 2 a.m. A slight delay turned into a longer delay. And so you always have issues. I really, really implore people. Um, it's funny how many people, we think everyone travels but not everyone does. So the simple tips, all, most airlines have an app and that app is a personalized service to you that gives you good updates. You can see where the plane that's coming in to get you is coming from and whether it's gonna be late. So uh, the app, a little patience uh, will go a long way because again, the, the, uh, the weather is just very difficult to forecast for sure. Okay, so Oscar, okay, we're just gonna do this as a news you can use segment. Uh, how early do you really think you should get to the airport for real? Not like the official thing, but what you think, both with bags and without. And let's say you're you're sitting in the back of the bus, so this is not a, a this is not a business class or, or first class thing. What do you do? Uh, I think if you're, it isn't so much if, if you are an infrequent traveler. You don't travel much. You don't know what airports you don't. I would get there early to give you plenty of time to get through whatever might be an issue. If you're a seasoned traveler, and most of you are, and you have the app, you know that answer by yourself. I mean, I will push it a little bit more than others because I can see where my plane is. And if it's early, what what does pushing it mean, Oscar? Uh, well, because uh, you sometimes will have a significant other that will be more anxious, and that's the push that right. will lead to the shop that will get but you to the airport. I have a daughter. It, is pushing it an hour? Is pushing it arriving 45 minutes beforehand? What you are know, we talking I, about here? I would say 
no less than an hour, especially during travel. You need to be there an hour before your flight is scheduled to depart would be the minimum. I think an hour and a half to two hours is probably the other broader range. Before two hours, unless it's international, there's really there's really not much. TSA is ramped up for this and right. will get you through security. So I don't okay. think it has to be that. It just go ahead. Two other quickies, and I know Becky's got some questions too. One is sometimes you look at like a flight aware or one of these other kind of apps, and it differs with what the airline is actually telling you. And I found that flight aware oftentimes is more accurate. Should, you know, should it be? And then the other thing is. If, in fact, your, your flight gets rescheduled or something happens, is there a phone number you can actually call? Because sometimes you get on the app and you're trying to do it and or then you're in hold and you're trying to get in these crazy lines. What do you what do you do in that disaster? So flight aware and, and, uh, and, and the, re, the rebooking situation. Sure. Well, for instance, and I'll speak about United specifically on the United app, the where is your plane currently tab is a flight aware app. So we've, we're trying to 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 rid yourself of the decisions or concerns of multiple and variable de- decision points. Um, oftentimes, calling someone is going to be difficult because, again, you know, there's you saw the numbers, right? Fifty five million people traveling. It, it's going to be a significant issue. So your app is your best bet. Um, there are some reconciling items. And so get to the airport. Give yourself plenty of time, depending on who you are and what how often you travel. And I think just being a patient and aware that things are going to happen. And it's just as simple as that, really. It's, it's difficult because most people don't fly, as you know. And so uh, it is uh, It is a concern. And the media, we talk a lot about the concerns. But I can tell you from this week's perspective, the weather is looking uh, pretty well. And other than that, you know, yeah. we're hoping to get everybody to a happy Thanksgiving. Sorry, Ben. Hey, hey, Oscar, I've got a question for you. I, I flew last week. I was in uh, business class because it was for a work flight. And they asked me to buckle my shoulder strap before the flight took off. Like, made sure and said it's very important for your safety. I fly and coach a lot, too. There's no shoulder straps back there. Is this the case of a Titanic situation where we only care about the first-class passengers? Or is this a situation where in the back you're so crammed in you're not going anywhere anywhere? My, my. Is this a steerage question? Yes. Uh, no, What's listen. The I, I, well, the answer is simple. I think the the uh, the seats are 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 built differently up in the first uh, business class cabin. <laughs> so and it so is the, that you're crammed in so tight that you're not no, going no, anywhere. No, no, no. It's just it's you're the design of the thing. like sardines back in the back and you're not going anywhere anyway. Like <laughs> That's There's a question for the people. This. No, there isn't. But, but it is a function of the seats. Uh, and so the dynamics of that. So it's a mechanical issue. I'm not sure I'm okay. buying it, Oscar, but you're lucky we're out of time. Oscar, <laughs> all right. right. Thank you. Happy, have have a happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate it. All, all of you as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's the pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. When it comes to family vacations, there are a million different trips you can take. You can get your own trip to Texas. Or if you prefer a vacation from your family, you can always get your own leave the kids with grandma trip to Texas. 
So go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. 